Hi everyone, and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 739. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at Rabbi Ismach at take10fortorah.org. In addition, look at the longer recording that I dropped in the Take 10 series. Hopefully, you'll enjoy. So today I wanted to focus on one particular part of the Haggadah, unfortunately more relevant than, I shouldn't say ever, but more relevant now than it has been in some time as part of the discussion of anti-Semitism. So we have this paragraph where we raise our glasses and we say, And this, whatever this is, has stood for our fathers and for us. Because not only one person, specifically referring to Paro in Egypt, stood against us to destroy us. But rather, in every generation, they have stood to destroy us. But God has always saved us. And the paragraph goes on to the next paragraph. And it gives an example, perhaps the earliest example of an external force, which served to attempt to destroy in some way the Jews, or specifically the Jew, Yaakov, and tells the story of Lavan and Yaakov. Okay, so we have this paragraph, and it's hard to know when you read this paragraph whether or not it's helpful, hopeful, or it's a little bit depressing. On the one hand, of course, it's hopeful in that HaKadosh Baruch Hu but the idea that Shebechol Darvadar, not just that there's more than one, right? It could have just said Shalom Vadam but there's been two or three or five or six, but it goes so far as to say Shebechol Darvadar Omdim Aleinu L'chaloseinu. So if you're not quite sure, if you're in a generation where there are people who are Omdim Aleinu L'chaloseinu, the answer is, yes, there are. That's what we have over here. And ironically, what we do is, is we pick up our glass. We're very excited for this point, and we're very excited for this moment, and almost everybody, all of them in the Hagim, everybody sings this paragraph and very often it's a it's a hopeful somewhat hopeful song so what's this promise what are we talking about here let's try to explain so we have a similar idea in esther Ms. Gilas esther zeresh makes this comment to haman a little bit ill-timed but after haman has a very very bad day has to parade mordechai around in the streets after all of that stuff so he comes home he's avel she doesn't look like he's in particularly good shape and so by he tells everything, he tells uh, what had happened that day. And suddenly his wise people get very smart, and his wife as well. If this guy is from the seed or from the tribe of the Yehudim, Right, there's some sort of uh, fait accompli, some sort of fact that he should have known, an axiomatic idea, that if you are fighting the Jews, the Jewish people, you will not ultimately prevail. They will prevail. We have perhaps a more secular example of this statement uttered by Mark Twain. Mark Twain in his essay concerning the Jews in Harper's Magazine in 1898. So I think it's worth a read. You should read the entirety of the article. A lot of people have seen this quote, but they don't really understand the larger context that it's from. I could probably do a different take 10 for Twain on that, but uh, not today. So Mark Twain writes, The Egyptian, the Babylonian, and the Persian rose, filled the planet with sound and splendor, then faded to dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and the Roman followed and made a vast noise, and they are gone. Other peoples have sprung up and held their torch high for a time, but it burned out, and they sit in twilight now, or 
have vanished. The Jew saw them all, beat them all, and is now what he always was, exhibiting no decadence, no infirmities of age, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of his energies, no dulling of his alert and aggressive mind. All things are mortal but the Jews. All other forces pass, but he remains. What is the secret of his immortality? And with that, he ends this long essay, which is very, very philo Semitic. So what is this secret of his immortality? What is this uh, secret of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Matlinu Adam, even if Shabachol Dovedar Omdim Aleinu Lechalosenu? So the answer is the previous paragraph. Baruch Shomer Havtachasol L'Yisrael, blessed is he, God, who guarded his promise to the Jewish people. He kept his promise, guarded his promise, what promise are we talking about? God calculated the end of the exile as he had told Avraham in the covenant between the parts. Now the the idea that he calculated the end, that refers to what we're about to read, where he told Avraham that it would be 400 years in a land that is not theirs. There was no 400 years in the land of Egypt. Our tradition is that they were there for only 210 years. So everybody calculates how it really means 400 years or when the 400 years uh, started from or or that the work that they did was 400 years worth of work, etc. That calculation might be what we're thanking God for, getting us out early, calculating us out the technicalities of our exit. But the larger story that this refers to, the Brisbane Habasarim, is a very significant story in the 15th chapter of Sefer Bereshus. There we have Avraham speaking to God and being a little bit insecure about the promise for descendants. He doesn't have any yet, God reassures him. And then in Pasuk Zion, in Perak Tesvav, in Sefer Bereshus, I am the God who took you out of the land of Kastim, to inherit this land, Canaan, the land in which you are standing. And how do I know? I don't have any. I don't have any evidence. You know that, that it's going to be mine. That it's going to be mine and go for the distance. Like to show me, prove it to me. So God says, take an egla mishulashas and ez mishulash v'ayam mishulash v'sarve gozal. Take a variety of animals and uh, lay them out. And as we see, he cut them in the middle, except for the birds. He cut these large animals in the middle to be able to go through, and he goes and he does all of this, and and a deep sleep falls on him, meaning and a very dark and deep fear falls on him. And he tells Avram, your children will be in other lands, they will be sojourners, they will be exiled to other lands, and they will serve these people, the Inu Osam, and those people, their hosts, will afflict them, Arba Me'o for 400 years. So here, clearly, we have a reference to the story of Egypt. And also that nation, I will judge, and after that, you will leave with great wealth. Now that's the end of Baruch Shomer Havdachas Yisrael. That is the Pasuk that we are referring to. This is the story. Now, it's very clear in the Midrashim, the Midrashim seek from a few different phrases in this paragraph to maintain that this story is not just a story about Mitzrayim. For example, Rashi on the page says, Vigam this nation also, Vigam, and also this nation, not only Egypt, but all of the other subsequent nations, I will treat uh, as they need to be treated and save you in the end. And so in this moment, the promise that he is looking for, that Abraham is looking for, is not just a promise that I will inherit this land once, but that we will 
come back after whatever exiles, as Mark Twain said, the Babylonian and the Persian and the Greek and the Roman, after all of those exiles that we refer to as the Dalid Gullios, the four exiles, we will prevail. And this, Vihi, the Midrashim find consistent references in many of the words in this paragraph, in this event, whether it's the animals or the Ema, Chashecha, Gedola, whatever it is, they find references to all of these different exiles and make the point that Avram is being told that we shall prevail. Now there's some uh, some beautiful ideas here, you know, a question that we don't have time to ask is why? why? Why is this so necessary that in every generation we have this challenge and God comes in and swoops in and saves us? What, what is the, the point of all this? That's a larger question. But I just want to close with a Radak. The Radak over here explains what it means that he cut the animals in half and he left the birds intact. Well, what's going on over here? So the Radak explains that this is really this little sequence, this this between the parts, this this uh, laying out of these animals is the laying out of of history. It's the timeline of history. And what happens to all of these nations that attempt to destroy us and these large empires is usually they uh, fall in to themselves and break apart through civil war, through disagreement. That is generally what is and causes their downfall. Until we get to the bird, the bird representing the Jewish people, which stays intact. Now, that's the goal, right? That we stay intact. And that allows us to get through this course of these split animals, get through the course of these split empires that attempted to destroy us throughout history, but it's specifically our unity. And with that in mind, I will share with you a beautiful Hasidic interpretation of Vihi Sha'amda, which, if there's something we can take away, there's not a lot we can do over here, right? The fact that behold, over there, that seems to be a fact, and hopefully God is with us, as it promises over here. But perhaps we can read this and be inspired. The reading is as follows. Vihi this is what has stood for our forefathers and for us. Shalom Echad, that not being one, not being together, not being concerned for each other. Shalom echad, it's the phenomenon of lo echad. Bilvad amar aleinu only that has come upon us to destroy us. And in every generation, we have perhaps uh, almost prayed victim to those who want, us to, to want to destroy us because we are not one, but if we are, we shall survive. Have a great day.